1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 and as always online at KDOS1060.com. And newly for Android and Apple users, download the new KDOS 1060 app. Uh, just go to your Apple Play Store, your Google Play Store, and uh, click KDOS 1060, download the new app and enjoy some listener rewards coming to you as well. He's Bob Kemp. I'm Kayla Mortolaro. We're with you up until one o'clock today on this Wednesday, February 15th. We'll set the scene with today's poll questions and we'll start with the KDOS 1060.com poll question. Uh, no surprise here in terms of what the question is. Do you approve of the hiring of the Cardinals new head coach, Jonathan Gannon? And well, Bob, maybe people were feeling, feeling bad and wanted to make this a closer vote because after it being 100% on the no side, things have significantly changed. No out in front here at 59% of the vote. Wow. Yes, sitting at 41%. Okay, so maybe I should take back what I said previously that I wasn't <laughs> surprised it was... Uh... Yeah, mass uh, mutiny. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, we'll have some phone call time here around 1130 and 1215. Curious if you're on the yes side, uh, let us know why. If you're on the no side, let us know why as well. Uh, so the opportunity to get involved in today's show, 602-260-1060, around 1130 and 1215 today. Let's flip this on over to Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Bob, in the last hour, you had David Cobb, CBS Sports chatting all things college hoops. And if you missed that conversation, you can podcast over at KDOS1060.com. But our Twitter poll question, college basketball related, who is the best team in college basketball? Alabama, Kansas, Purdue, or UCLA? Out in front remains Alabama at 46.2% of the vote. Then Purdue has slightly uh, busted out of the three-way tie at 23.1%. Kansas and UCLA sitting at 15 percent apiece on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Yeah, I feel pretty good that everybody's getting votes here. Uh, the Alabama thing, David Cobb is clearly in favor of Alabama, is the best team right now. The one thing that's just strange, I mean, they're undefeated in the SEC, which isn't the greatest conference this year from top to bottom, or maybe even from like top to like third, <laughs> but still. But they lost by 100 a couple of weeks ago on the SEC Big 12 Challenge, they got killed at Oklahoma, and OU's not very good. So we just got to kind of forget that game existed. I guess you know, kind of like the Olympic scoring, you throw out the highs and the lows and move on from there, I guess. Uh, the only, you, you know, you're 100% right on that when I was looking into to Alabama, and I certainly remember that game. Uh, but the only thing I can think of is that around that time period is when they had a lot of things going on off the court, and maybe they just weren't mentally able to kind yeah. of put that aside and get back to just focusing on the court. And now since more time has elapsed, they're a little bit more focused on the court. 
I'll add one more thing. They almost lost in their SEC game. They lost almost lost a home game to Mississippi State, which was either the Wednesday or Thursday before that Oklahoma game. Correct. So I don't remember which day it was, one of those two days. Uh, so that was a little strange in itself. So you know, it goes back to, I think, your thinking there that they had a three- or four-day stretch where – and that's understandable. And plus, they've got so many freshmen. I mean, they've got two senior guards that were transfers. One guy's a transfer. You know, the other guy is, uh, you know, the you know the, the guy who used to – actually was originally supposed to go to the U of A like 100 years ago uh, for Sean Miller, and he's like now in his 63rd year of college basketball and is still playing. But anyway, they've got some experienced guards, but they have a ton of freshmen on this team. And I'm guessing – considering the off-the-court situation that they maybe were a little probably thrown a little more than you know most college basketball but more experienced players would have been we'll get into that around 12 30 today eric edholm of nfl media set to join us around 11 15 we'll try to figure out who jonathan gannon is as the new cardinals head coach get into a little bit more from around the nfl coaching decisions and hires in addition to uh eric spends a lot of time he was at the senior bowl we'll get his opinions on some of the upcoming draft situation as well so that'll be time out for a second here kayla i'm looking at tiger woods right now or at least on espn yeah, is this tournament in Los Angeles or is this like in Alaska? You know, I think it might be in Alaska. Uh, no, <laughs> it really is in Los Angeles. But if uh, Los Angeles is experiencing any of what I felt this morning when I got yeah. in my car to come to work this morning, I understand why he's all bundled up. Um, he's gonna have to get rid of some layers of clothing to actually take a swing at a golf ball. It, no, and as somebody who played golf at the University of Idaho, I know full well about how uh, you wear more layers to walk to your ball, shed a couple of layers, hit your ball, and then put them back on. Oh Lord! And you're so good with cold weather too. That must have been a fun, fun, fun time for you. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe wearing three pairs of pants wasn't a whole lot of fun. I mean, that was legitimate cold weather as opposed to you know, what we're seeing here now. I mean, it's chilly here. And uh, so, but, I'm going to say it's legitimately cold, Bob. Uh, okay. <laughs> I haven't got outside yet today, so what do I know? Okay. Um, but, yeah, so we'll get into also the Genesis Invitational, as you're referencing here. Tiger Woods set to participate. We'll try to get some winners once again this week uh, in regards to this second. Uh, well, it's technically the third elevated event of the year, but it's the second one with a cut so another big time purse for the guys on the pga tour so we'll get into that a little bit later on in the show as we try to figure out who is jonathan gannon he's the new head coach of the arizona cardinals a five-year contract here reading between the lines of some of the reports that have come out here albert breer of si uh to me this comes across as Gannon is absolutely a Monty Ossenfort hire. Monty Ossenfort, of course, being the new general manager for the Arizona Cardinals. Breer reported that in anticipation that Ossenfort would have some opportunities to become a general manager, to interview to become a general manager, he compiled a list of about 10 or so head coaching candidates. He met with them all in last offseason, got to know them, stayed in contact with them, and he came away really impressed with Gannon, Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan as well as Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn Callahan Glenn both of 
which had interviews with the Arizona Cardinals. Because of timing and everything, they weren't able to speak to Gannon until Monday after the Super Bowl. It seemed as things were getting really narrowed in that he was their guy. And uh, they talked with him on Monday, talked with him again on Tuesday. And then Tuesday afternoon, he became the official next head coach for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, so that's, at least in my opinion, that it, it, it's from this reporting here that Monty Austin Fort has been given the, the reins to make the decisions of how to construct this team, starting with the head coach. And you can't go wrong believing Albert Breer because he went to The Ohio State University. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so it did seem like it came down to uh, Gannon as well as Bengals defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo. When it comes to Jonathan Gannon, he's 40 years old. He spent the 2021 and 2022 seasons as the Eagles defensive coordinator. We, of course, know the statistics from this past season uh, for the Eagles. 70 regular season sacks. The next closest in the NFL had 55. Philly had the most sacks since the Vikings had 71 in 1989. But 71 for the Vikings in 1989 is actually way more impressive because there were far fewer games. That's very true. You know, the other thing is, if you go back, I mean, he's 40, and you know, I'm not great at math, but he was actually coaching this league in like 2008, 2009. So mm -hmm. he was really young then. You're right. Uh, so two seasons in Philly with the Eagles, they had 99 sacks, ranked third in total defense, third in pass defense, sixth in tackles for losses, and uh, tied for 10th in interceptions in that two-year stretch. But to your point, he has spent 15 years in the NFL, getting yeah. things started in 2007 as a defensive assistant with the Falcons. Then in 2009 to 2011, he became a scout. We have to remember the St. Louis Rams. He was with the St. Louis Rams then. 2000 let me add to, Let me add real quick in the scout thing. Uh, that may, I wonder if Austin Fort was also impressed by that. Because he's That's entirely scout, possible. Scouting background there, and you know, certainly the introductory press conference of Austin Ford, he mentioned the scouting angle of things many different times. 2012 to 2013, defensive assistant with the Titans. 2014 to 2017, he became an assistant DBs coach and quality control coach with the Vikings. 2018 to 2020, defensive backs and cornerbacks coach with the Colts. And then, of course, the last two years with the Eagles. So 15 years in the NFL, to your point, doing a variety of different things on the defensive side of the ball and some scouting duties. Yeah, and that Colts defense was really good. Remember, Very good. Kind of, they, unfortunately, they've been injured a lot since then, but uh, they were amongst the best in the league at that time. A couple of things that I'm curious about that maybe we can uh, have conversations with Eric Edholm about is that fine line between how much of this was, this success with the Eagles was Jonathan Gannon, the scheme that he wanted to run versus Howie Roseman going out, spending a bunch of money, bringing in a Hassan Reddick in free agency, bringing in a Nadamakan Sue, uh, you know, having still Brandon Graham, having Hargrave on the defensive front yeah. to be able to do all of those spectacular things that we saw in the regular season right and they drafted a couple of those guys you just mentioned too so it wasn't all just throwing out and spending money i mean they've done a nice job of building their defense through the draft and free agency we'll get into eric edholm we'll talk to him on the other side of the break he is from nfl media we'll pick his brain about the nfl nfl draft arizona cardinals new head coach jonathan gannon on the other side it is the extra point here on kdos am 1060 and online at kdos 1060.com
Check out KDUS AM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX HD2. That's right, HD Radio on 100.7 channel number two. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 and as always online at KDOS1060.com. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you as we pop on out to the KDOS hotline, joined now by Eric Edholm with NFL Media. Eric, Bob and Kayla, how are you doing today on this Wednesday? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Always look forward to talking with you. And, well, we have something to talk about here in Arizona. Uh, After going through an array of different candidates, the Cardinals have found their man in Jonathan Gannon. Uh, Recency bias, though, it's something that always plays a factor. We all watched Super Bowl 57 from Glendale with Gannon's defense unable to get a sack and some pressure on Patrick Mahomes. So attempting to put that aside, who is Jonathan Gannon and what are the Cardinals getting in him? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. It's probably, you know, of all the head coaching hires, that's, I, I, would, I shouldn't say that. You know, Shane Steichen obviously goes to Indy with similar questions. But, you know, like you said, the recency bias of having watched the Super Bowl and you know, it's an Eagles defense that supplied pressure all year, and then it ran out in the Super Bowl. And, you know, look, it came against Patrick Holmes, so we have to put an asterisk by it as far as, you know, just how egregious that was. And it's one game. I mean, I, that's another factor, too. And, look, I remember watching Mike Tomlin in his first year, as, as one year as, as a defensive coordinator with the Vikings just prior to taking the Steelers head coaching job, and I had my questions. I didn't think that – you know, there were there were times that I thought he had some poor games uh, that that 2005 season, I guess it was. But so you know, it's easy to look at the you know the results of one game, really one half of football, if you consider you know Eagles held them to seven offensive points in the first half. But uh, you know, he's somebody who's come under fire for two years now in Philly, and and he had head coaching interviews a year ago. Um, also, questions of whether you know, that defensive talent was maximized coming into the season. Even early in the year, there were some questions about it. But, you know, bright coaching mind who, you know, I think Nick Sirianni's done a good job of, of helping promote and, and giving a lot of responsibility to. But clearly with, with the Kyler situation, a loss of leadership, you know, with, with Juan A.J. Green leaving and some big roster holes, there's a lot to figure out there. So let, let's continue this Eagles thing here. They lost both coordinators on Tuesday. Uh, is that reason for concern or no big deal for them? And you mentioned Steichen. Does he? How much can he solve the, the Colts' problems quickly? Yeah, I mean, the Colts have a lot to figure out, obviously, as well. I mean, they, they their quarterback situation, if there's you know, one good thing that, um, you know, that I guess the Cardinals don't technically have to worry about is that they have that position figured out, whether it's the right one or not, I guess we'll find out. But Indy doesn't have any solution. Really, it's been that way since the day Andrew Luck walked off that preseason field, you know, and, and mm-hmm. they've, they've thrown the kitchen sink at the veteran market. They've tried to trade for quarterbacks, sign guys, you know, nothing's really worked other than that one year with Phillip Rivers, which, you know, had limited returns. So, once they get that quarterback position figured out, whether it's through the draft or, or a veteran option, I suspect it's the draft. You know, then it becomes Steichen and that and that draft pick working together. And how quickly did they thrust them in there? Did they learn from what the Jets' mistakes were this year with Zach Wilson? Do they feel confident in, their, in that player's ability to 
step right in. But but as for the Eagles, I mean, I think they've done a pretty good job of replacing past roster. They've always looked a year or two ahead, and that's one of Howie Rosen's best traits is knowing, hey, look, a year from now we're going to have two for agents at this position. We better draft one this year. And just having the foresight to look beyond. He knew his scouting staff would be raided as it was the last couple of years. So he was constantly helping develop new talent evaluators. And I suspect it's going to be the same on the coaching staff. They have, you know, I think enough in-house candidates there to feel pretty good about the immediate replacements. And so we'll see. I don't know. I mean, the Eagles are still going to go into next year. It's the weaker conference of the two. And I think they're going to still have, you know, as much upside as anybody with Hurts and, and the gang playing as well as they were down the stretch. Eric Edholm, NFL Media here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. So with the Cardinals situation in place, Monty Austin for Jonathan Gannon, they have the third overall selection waiting for this Redbirds team. What defensive difference makers will likely be available to them? And what do you like about those players that they have to potentially choose from? Yeah, they have to decide a couple things. First of all, we have to figure out what's going to happen at numbers one and two and and you know, our, our, our quarterbacks in the mix at both spots, right? Bears picking at one. All indications are they're sticking with Justin Fields. You know, do they trade down and to whom if, if otherwise, if they if they do? Um, you know, because they technically could be stuck at one. I mean, there may not be an offer that they like. There may not be enough to, to warn and move down. They could just say, all right, we're taking Jalen Carter from Georgia and, and, and calling it a day. Not the best result for them, but I think they'd do it if they had to. So the question is what happens at one as it relates to Arizona at three. Uh, If two quarterbacks go there, obviously you may have your choice of either Carter or Will Anderson, the pass rusher out of uh, Alabama, who, look, I'm not saying he's Von Miller because there there aren't many of those guys, but he's, he's that type of rusher. I mean, he's that type of player, you know, lean, quick, bendy, athletic, can drop. You know, better going forward, but still has enough versatility in his game, I think, to warrant a top five pick. And um, 17 sacks, 2021, 10 this past season, the focus of every offensive line he faced. Carter's a little different because he had some injuries early in the year that really set him back. But if you watch starting at about the Tennessee game on up until the uh, semifinal game, I thought he was lights out. He was maybe the best defensive player in college football at times. So, you know, they. I didn't love the way he played early against Ohio State, but, you know, seemed to, to kind of rally a little bit in that one and, and finish strong with the national championship. So those are the two that stand out to me. And then what the Cardinals and the Seahawks at five and other teams in that range have to decide is, can we move down maybe to a quarterback needy team if QBs go one, two? You know, will there be a desperate team willing to give up picks to move up there? And is there someone we like at, say, nine to Carolina you know that's going to be the question I think that gets sorts out sorted out excuse me uh, over the next uh, month here as we get into combine and uh, you know uh, pro day season you mentioned Will Anderson and you mentioned the numbers certainly not as good this past year as a couple of years ago quite frankly there were some games where I didn't even really notice he was out there uh, this past year is, is there a reason for concern because of that or am I overreacting Personally, I think you are a little, but that's okay. I've overacted the past, certainly. But, yeah, I mean, I've had, you know, I think about like a Rashawn Gary, for instance, who had, I think, three or three and a half sacks his final year and ended up being the, what, the 12th or 13th pick. And Packers fans threw their hands up like, what are we doing? You know, prior to last year, that pick was looking pretty darn good. So, I mean, 
we, there are plenty of times when the, the sack numbers don't quite add up for people and they're saying, hey, what's going on here? Or they watch a Bama game and say, you know, I, I don't remember them calling his number. Uh, some of that clearly was the, the, you know, offensive line slanting their protections in his direction, keeping a back or a tight end home to chip, you know, constantly seeing two blockers in his face, running away from him. But on the flip side, there were times that Anderson got maybe a little eager, I felt like, and he was trying to pad that sack number a little bit, would overplay some balls and overrun some plays and miss some tackles, a little bit sloppier this year. But at the end of the day, I, I just see a guy with explosive athleticism, great reactive skills in general, um, and somebody who's a who's been a closer more than more than he has it in college football. So I'm a fan. I, I still saw a plenty of great tape last year from him. He's Eric Edholm, NFL Media here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Uh, questions will certainly be getting ramped up for the Texans about who they think they're going to be drafting number two, or I'm yeah, number two overall. Uh, if it'll be a quarterback, who do you think is the best quarterback coming out of this draft? Yeah, I mean, I'll be you know kind of keeping an eye on their their offensive coordinator situation pretty closely. In fact, a familiar name is is uh, surfaced there in Cliff Kingsbury, so. You know, is, is he somebody who's in play? If so, he's got some connection to Bryce Young. They they met years ago. I think he was at one of his camps at Texas Tech in eighth grade, I want to say, Bryce was. And he was a, a smaller guy at that point. But they've, they've apparently kept in touch, and that would be an interesting uh, connection there. Just like, you know, Josh McCown coming in at QB coach at Carolina could – you know, sort of divert them a little more towards C.J. Stroud. They, you know, he's said some good things about him in the past. You always look for those connections. Do they always work? No. But um, Young is obviously somebody to watch. The big question with him isn't, for me, as much the height as it is the small frame, like you guys deal with with Kyler, where, you know, and Kyler's more elusive. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a technically a harder guy to catch than Young is. Young isn't quite the, you know, the scrambler or anything like that that Kyler is. So, but still, anytime you have a quarterback with that lean of frame, and Kyler's actually thicker, I think, uh, you know, through the the trunk and the middle part of his body than what than Bryce Young is, who's, you know, he's got skinny ankles, he's got a lean build, he suffered a shoulder injury last year, he's taken some hits behind a, you know, a, a so-so Alabama offensive line last year. So, you know, it's the question is, is he going to hold up? But if he does, I think he's got special acumen. He's got. He's so instinctive at, at reading defenses and playing outside of structure and, you know, kind of making magic happen when it doesn't appear to be there. And it's, it's a lot of fun watching him. But the durability questions are going to be the biggest thing for him. Does that push them towards Will Levis or somebody like that or, you know, the, the home run choice like Anthony Richardson or, or Stroud or whoever? I don't know. That's, that's still a ways off, but that's going to be really interesting. Eric, you have to help me with this Will Levis thing. Uh, maybe it's because I remember watching him at Penn State when he just pretty much came in and ran the ball a few times, yeah. and maybe yeah. that's part of the problem. And then, you know, there were some, you know, obviously didn't have nearly as much talent at Kentucky this past year, but yep. there are some balls that I just wondered, where is that going? Uh, yep. what, what's your assessment of him? I mean, I, I felt like at times, not – you know, it's not apples to apples, but I would say it was a similar process kind of getting to know him this year more than what I knew already. Uh, coming off a really good 2021 season, I mean, he, I thought, really showed 
you know, his best tape consistently game to game in the 21 season, like you said, had, you know, I think they lost, what, four offensive linemen or at least three anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. You know, great center, great tackles, you know. So, um, receiving options, some running back help as well. I mean, there was lost Liam Cohen. I mean, his offensive coordinator left for the Rams job, and, you know, Kentucky's already fired the guy they had last year. That tells you quite a bit. Plus, Levis played through pain quite a bit. He's a tough kid. I mean, that's what you have to rem- remind yourself is that he was not healthy. He went out there when he could have easily sat. I mean, the coaches even said, you know, some guys wouldn't play through this kind of this kind of pain and discomfort. It took the running element out of his game, and it made him more of a pocket passer. And for me, I think you want to try to get him outside the pocket, move him a little bit. He's a big strapping kid with a good arm. You know, some traits that Josh Allen has, not the same player, but it felt like watching senior year Jordan Love or Josh Allen where you're – you're gawking at the traits, how, how alluring they are. But you're also watching balls flutter five feet over a receiver's head or in the dirt, wide of the mark. It, it, you have to ask some questions. Is this, whose fault is this? What's going on here? And at the end of the day, most NFL scouts believe that there were enough problems around him that you know his, his vast upside is, is still worth taking a chance on pretty high in the draft. Eric Edholm, NFL Media here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. So you had some time at the Senior Bowl. Who kind of stood out in terms of their draft stock was helped by the performance at the Senior Bowl and whose draft stock was maybe hurt by something that happened at the Senior Bowl? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a crazy talented lot. The quarterback position was a little uh, less than uh, amazing, I would say. We don't have a top 100 pick, I don't think, at that position. So, it did take a little of the, the shine out of the week. Everyone wanted to seek Luke, Luke Musgrave, who Bill Musgrave's nephew, I'm sure people remember the Broncos QB, and there was an offensive coordinator several spots in the NFL. Uh, you know, he's, he's a big strapping kid out of uh, Oregon State. He's got some, you know, kind of Dallas Goddard-like skills, I would say. I mean, that's the kind of player I sort of see there. Um, and he had a good week. But, you know, Durham Payne, the other uh, – or Payne Durham, I should say said it backwards – uh, the other tight end for Purdue really finished strong. Michael Wilson, the receiver at Stanford, another kid who barely played his, his last couple of years. He had a handful of games that he was out there otherwise hurt. He really stepped up and played well. Tajay Spears, the, the running back out of Tulane, who tore up USC in the bowl game, just continued his strong work down there and really opened some eyes. I think he's a top 100 pick now, maybe even a, you know early day two selection. So, some definite positives there. The negatives were probably more that, you know, some of the quarterbacks like Levis, like Stetson Bennett, chose not to go. Other guys either ineligible or injured, couldn't play like Hennon Hooker injured. That that was probably the biggest disappointment from the week was just the quarterback talent. Eric, I got one last thing here. I'm going to kind of combine that. You just mentioned, uh, you know, Bennett. Uh, Todd Munkin leaves Georgia to become the new OC with the Ravens. Uh, I assume Georgia will survive without him. Uh, yep. And is he is he a good fit with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens' offensive talent? Oh, see, I thought you were going to say they trade Lamar and just put Bennett <laughs> in as far starting quarterback, right? I mean, right, it's the obvious move, uh, you know. And next uh, time, I'll, next time you're on, we'll get to the trading yeah. Lamar thing because his contract will still be in limbo, whatever that next time is. Yeah. Oh, we'll drill down on that. One. We'll have plenty of time. You call me in June, we'll we'll get on that thing. But right. Yeah. Right. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's, Mike Bobo is not the most beloved uh, play caller of all time, but it, it felt like a natural replacement there for him. George, I'm sure, will be fine. You know, uh, reports of their demise are probably a little premature. I don't know if they're going to be winning the title next year. But, yeah, I mean, it was a fascinating choice, though. I mean, he's he's been an NFL OC before, but, you know, it was a pass-heavy thing in Tampa with Jameis Winston, a lot of picks, a lot of yards. I think it'll be a little different in Baltimore, obviously. But he has adapted to his to his talent. You know, when he went to Georgia, they said we're a running team. And he, and he made it a running offense, even with Bennett, you know, showing some stuff there. But – yeah, I think uh, for as many guys they interviewed, I was I was fascinated to see how that uh, that 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 position would come out for them. Eric, we greatly appreciate you always taking some time for us, and uh, have a fantastic rest of the day. And we'll do this again really soon. You too. Thank you very much, guys. See ya. No problem. Once again, he is Eric Edholm of NFL Media. Always a wealth of knowledge and such a a nice guy at it as well. Absolutely, and uh, you know, been talking to him for many years, and uh, glad to see that he's caught up with NFL Network now, basically NFL Media, and uh, uh, excellent draft info and just uh, general NFL stuff. Uh, so nice combo there. Did you know this, Bob? That for the Eagles, who have lost both their offensive and defensive coordinators, it's the first time that this has happened since 1994, when the 49ers mm. lost Mike Shanahan. He was hired to be the Broncos head coach and Ray Rhodes hired by the Eagles. I'd forgotten. I actually wondered yesterday when's the last time somebody lost both coordinators. So thank you for I don't do the research now. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. 602-260-1060. If you'd like to join the program, plenty to get into. And if you've been voting yes or no on whether you want Jonathan Gannon to be the next head coach, you approve. Let us know why. 602-260-1060. It's the extra point. Ready to bring KDUS AM 1060 into your home with Alexa? Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KDUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDUS AM 1060 on this Wednesday, February 15th, 1140. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until one o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. If you'd like to join, still some room, 602-260-1060. Jonathan Gannon will be introduced by the Arizona Cardinals tomorrow, 10 a.m. If you'd like to uh, hear what uh, Eric Edholm had to say about Jonathan Gannon, you certainly can podcast over at KDOS1060.com. College hoops yesterday, Bob. You had a little double overtime action with Providence beating Creighton 94 to 86. Creighton shot just 29% from three. Meanwhile, Providence shot 42% from behind the arc. Uh, Certainly Creighton and Providence and this whole league. What do we know about the Big East? I think it's uh, real top heavy, which I think is actually the case for a lot of conferences this year. Um, you know, not exclu- you know, get, let's exclude the Big 12 when we talk about anything college basketball. They've got their own little – they're kind of their own level of play. <laughs> and then there's everybody else, maybe. Uh, but uh, as far as the Big East goes, you know, last night, as you mentioned, it was a really – that was one of, the, one of the best games of the season. You know, I've watched a million games. Uh, double overtime and don't be – you know, they won by the, – the final margin was eight points, but – 
Providence actually, excuse me, Connecticut actually, I'll get this right. Creighton actually had a chance to win at the end of the regulation and at the end of the first overtime. And then they just got kind of ran out of gas and got blown out. But Providence is 14-0 and zero at home. And because of what happened last night in this game, that means tonight when Marquette is actually playing Xavier, that's for first place in the Big East regular season at this point. Pausing the college hoops conversation and hopping on out to the KDOS hotline, 602-260-1060. It's Monroe and Glendale. Monroe, what's on your mind today? I have a potpourri of general discussion items, if you don't mind. All right, lay it on us. Uh, first of all, kudos to Radio Roll coverage. It was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. Um I, I didn't go down there because I'm at an age and a stage where it's like there's just too many people for me to be around. So, um, well, but the K- Kayla deserves all the credit for that because she did all the work, quite frankly. It, so, yeah, that goes was, to her. It was excellent. Well, thank cool. you, Monroe. I appreciate that. And it was a lot of fun. And, Bob, don't sell yourself short either. Oh, I didn't do much. I just kind of chimed in occasionally. So you did all the work. Um, with respect to the Suns and the Cardinals, Cardinals first, you would better know this than I do, Barb, but every time there is a team hiring a coach, there is the, the litany of names that generally get trotted out. And, of course, you have the, the you know, the, whether it's Sean Payton or Bill Cowher or whomever at the top of the list. There's still a litany of names of potential people. Uh, and what I believe I'm observing is the names, the, the preferential candidates for the Cardinals are being hired by other teams. And so I don't know if this guy's any good or not, but I, I just don't get a sense that if you'd ask them, give us a name, a list of coaches, he would have been on the first list or the second list or probably not even the third list. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. Then again, I'm going to throw out the proverbial answer that I've given for 100 years on this, that you really never know whether an assistant coach or a coordinator who's never been a head coach is going to work out or not. And I know Eric Edholm mentioned Mike Tomlin in the last hour there. I'm just – last segment, excuse me. I'm thinking that, you know, when Tomlin interviewed for that Steelers job, having actually been in a room with Mike Tomlin a couple times when we went to Tampa and covered the Super Bowl and they played a game here, I know, and he's a – I'm sure he just knocked the socks off of the people interviewing in Pittsburgh. And that, you know, that man can talk. And he commands a room. Uh, So I can see how he got that gig. Um, you know, I've never heard Jonathan Gannon talk, quite frankly, and we will tomorrow. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But, uh, you know, I'm not sure what the selling point. Obviously, the selling point, I guess, is he had a really good defense. And unfortunately for him, they played the second half on Sunday night in Glendale. Yeah, yeah, no, I get all that. Mike Tomlin is definitely the candidate, uh, uh, a poster boy for unknowns that turn into be, you know, I can't think. I got the issues with Mike Tomlin, so I can't. I know you do. You got to get over. You got to get over that. He's done a really good job. Sorry, yeah, but he's done yeah. a good job. Yeah. Yeah, sure he has. Uh, yeah. At any rate, the Suns. I don't like this deal, man. I just, I just don't. I 
my first thought was, this is an owner playing fantasy basketball. That was my original <laughs> thought. Um, I would not have given up Bridges. I don't think that was a good move. I think that he's really an underappreciated player. And I think he's going to be missed on this squad. I agree with all that. In fact, we had Dan Favale on yesterday from Bleacher Report as we kind of finally had a little time to assess the trade because we were obviously busy last week with the Super Bowl. And Dan pointed out, among other things, that what exactly, you know, they weren't like bidding against other people here. So did they actually have to give up bridges in this deal? Which, you know, I thought about a little bit last week, but when he said it yesterday, I thought about it even more and I wonder if this deal still happens even if they don't give up Bridges. I mean, what, what was what what was the Nets' alternative if they were actually going to move Durant? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, lastly, I, I mentioned this to you before, and I'm still in the same spot. I can't tell if the Big 12 is really good or the other conferences in basketball are just falling <laughs> off. How about both? <laughs> It's it's and TCU. I'm pulling my hair out watching them and Baylor's like, who are you? Well, Tell TCU's me. one and four without Mike Miles now. They're one and four. I mean, I thought they had a chance to win the NCAA tournament before he got hurt. He might play tonight, uh, but we actually heard that he might play last Saturday. I believe it was Saturday, whenever their last game was. But yeah, needless to say, he's an NBA player for ten years. Uh, and he's a lottery pick whenever he comes out, and that's a huge loss for them. And they've got like eight or nine guys. Uh, unfortunately, they've had a couple other injuries in addition to Miles. Uh, but you know, I'm uh, one of the things I'm going to do this weekend is I'm going to investigate what are the what's the best number I can get for TCU to win the NCAA tournament if Miles returns. Yes, sir. I understand. Thanks a lot. Monroe, thank you. Once again, 602-260-1060 is the number. The next phone call segment will be around 12.15 or so today. On the other side of the break, let's get into a little bit about the PGA Tour, the Genesis Invitational at Riviera, the third elevated event on the uh, tour schedule. And, Bob, as you mentioned at the top of the hour, it's a little chilly in Los Angeles today. And one big cat, Tiger Woods, is expected to tee it up as well. I can't imagine that this cold weather feels good for him and the array oh. of ailments that he has has going on. Does he make the cut? I'm assuming we're going to talk about this in the next segment. Shockingly, there's numbers for that. So we'll, I heard that. We'll get into that a little bit on the other side of the break as well. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. up hour number one of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 and as always online at KDOS1060.com. If you've missed the news from last week, download the app, Apple or Android, KDOS 1060. Join join the app craze and uh, get yourself some listener rewards as well. 
All right, Bob, it's another PGA Tour event. It's another elevated event, star-studded field, and one Tiger Woods is set to play as well. Any guesses from a perspective of a line as to what it would be for him to miss or make the cut? I don't have a baseline to even venture a guess here. I'm not smart enough to do that. <laughs> but uh, what would you guess before you saw the number? Um. Well, this is interesting because I feel like his number is all over the place in terms of not really having a whole lot of realism as to where his game is at. Um, so I would have expected that it would have been like plus 200 to make the cut and like um, minus th- or I'm sorry. Yeah. Plus 200 to make the cut minus 300 to miss the cut. OK, so what is it? This morning on the FanDuel Sportsbook app, it was minus 215 to miss the cut. Make the cut was plus 162. Does it change? Did it change because of the frigid conditions and the, you know, the, the, you know, the video of him dressed up like a polar bear? <laughs> I'll, I'll look here and break and see if it did change. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Odds on favorites to win the golf tournament. No surprise. John Rahm, he continues to play some stellar golf. He was at plus 700. Rory McIlroy also playing great golf at plus 900. Uh, once again, this is the Riviera Golf Club. Plays 7,322 yards, a par 71. Uh, we're back to those Poana greens. So uh, a little tricky sometimes to figure them out. Putts inside five feet are certainly not gimmies. This golf course, a lot of people have talked about just how much they love it, uh, that it's a very strategical, just strategic-based golf course and that we don't really see golf courses like this played on the PGA Tour anymore. Things that I'm looking at for metrics-wise, strokes gained total, driving distance, and strokes gained around the greens because a lot of times you're going to miss fairways. Even if you are the most accurate ball striker on the planet, you're probably going to be missing some fairways just because of everything being so contoured the way that it is. Um, I'm looking at Justin Thomas here at plus 1500 this week. Numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, He's too good to not have enough wins here. He's been kind of in a little bit of a drought. Numbers seem to maybe be peaking a little bit that he's starting to find something. He played really well on Sunday at the, the Waste Management Phoenix Open and he has a very underrated short game. So if he can get that putter gaining maybe half a stroke on the greens, he certainly can put himself right in the mix. He finished sixth here in 2022, second in 2019, and a tie for ninth in 2018. Um, if there's no injury concerns here for Matt Fitzpatrick, taking him at plus 3,700, he was dealing with a neck issue at Pebble Beach and missed the cut. He played the Waste Management Phoenix Open, maybe turned something around, kind of still trying to figure him out, uh, needs some better ball striking, but he did play well in 2021. He did finish in a tie for fifth. He didn't play here last year. And then Adam Scott, he has been on the record of just how much he loves this place, and he's had some pretty good success here as well he's at plus 5500 he seems to have maybe turned back the clock a little bit finding himself into contention a little bit tied for fourth in 2022 tied for 38 in 2021 first in 2020 and a tie for seventh in 2019 and doubling down on him taking him as well plus money top 40 plus 105 also going sam burns top 30 plus 110 he missed the cut finished third 
tie for 23rd and missed the cut. But his last two events, tie for 6th and a tie for 11th. He gains in all statistical categories, so maybe his game is rounding into form. Taking a flyer here with Keegan Bradley, top 30 at plus 125. He's had mixed results here from 2018 to 2022, but his game wasn't as good as it is right now. And if you go back a little bit further to when he was in form here at Riviera, he had some good results. A tie for second, a tie for 16th, a tie for 20th, a tie for fourth, and a tie for 34th. So thinking his game is back to where it needs to be, thinking Keegan Bradley for a top 30. And Max Homa, who loves this place as well, top 20 at plus 125. He finished T10 last year, first in 2021, and a T5 in 2020. And he just won the Farmers putting on the exact same type of grass, the Poana, Poana Greens. So, Bob, would you like to be all bundled up trying to play golf? <laughs> you know, I've actually been to Riviera Country Club before. Have you? Um, yeah, I have. I have a friend who was a member or whatever got us in and I had a couple cocktails there. <laughs> so shocking as that might be, probably just a beer and a shot or maybe a couple of shots and a couple of beers. But So I've been there. That's, that's, I'm, that's my contribution to the segment here. I'm jealous of you because that yeah. seems like a great place to be, Riviera Country Club. Uh, and certainly it can, it's, doesn't get much more pristine than that. Although maybe yeah. I'd like to go on a warmer day. always got something to complain about there always got to throw it in there uh that'll do it for hour number one hour number two is coming up on the other side of the break it is the extra point here on kdos am 1060